Welcome to the With Clarity and Purpose podcast with your host, Janet Borrego. Each week, I bring you an inspiring person or message to empower you to live life on your terms so you can be who you want to be, do what you are meant to do, and have the life you deserve to have. We will provide you with practical and cutting-edge approaches to continue getting clarity and direction on your path, mastering your mindset, and gaining confidence to tap into your inner wisdom so you can live on purpose. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of With Clarity and Purpose. And I am super excited today because I have a very dear friend today in the podcast and also a fellow coach, Melanie Boots. Welcome, Melanie, to the podcast. Thank you, Jeanette. Happy to be here. So excited for me to have you. Let me give you a brief intro of this amazing woman. Melanie is a board-certified integrative health and wellness coach and also registered yoga and meditation teacher. Her passion is crafting customized wellness plans that includes modalities such as NLP, yoga, breath work, and hypnosis. So she has all the toolbox to help anyone in their wellness journeys. So excited, Melanie, again, for you to be here. So thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. This is exciting. Amazing. And Melanie, honestly, before this podcast episode, I was like, let me remember our journey, like how we met, how we still kept in touch. So Melanie and I met through the neurolinguistic programming world. We were doing our NLP coaching certification. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, how did we even connect? Was that video? Was that telephone? Was that an email? Do you remember, Melanie? I do remember. I do remember because in the in about halfway through, we were required to coach each other. Oh, so God, we true. were paired up together. And so it was really just through telephone yeah. conversations. Oh my God, that is true. I'm so glad you remember. That's true. We met virtually because yeah. we were required to pair each other. And then we roomed when we took our NLP certification for yeah. coaching. And then we stayed again when we became trainers of NLP to be able to certify other people in the modality of NLP. We also were roommates again. And <laughs> I know we just have a great dynamic. Melanie, you're someone that I admire so much. You have such a kind demeanor you're so knowledgeable in every aspect physical mental emotionally spiritually so I just couldn't think of anyone else to talk about today's topic because today's topic is a very vulnerable one Melanie and I were catching up like a week and a half ago and then she was mentioned the topic of grief I also was telling her my experience from the Vipassana meditation course and how I'm still grieving my uncle and my grandmother who passed away. And I know Melanie is passionate about this topic. So after we hung up, I was like, oh my God, let's talk about grief in the podcast. And this is going to be a combo between both of us. And we are just going to discuss the stages of grief, how we have built in our own journeys and situations that we have lived in our lives with the whole purpose of inspiring all of you and also hopefully supporting you through this process because the reality is that you're not alone, right? Right, right. I love that. I think that when you said you are not alone, 
I find our society, at least here in in the States, that we're illiterate when it comes to grief. When somebody loses somebody, it's, we find it like really hard to talk about or bring up. And I know that just recently a client had said grief, she had lost her mother and she said, grief is so lonely, so lonely. And it really made me pull back and realize like, wow, we need to be able to talk about grief like all the other emotions and vulnerability. It takes vulnerability, just like you said, to where we can bring it up with friends like, hey, I'm I'm sad. I really, I just need to talk about my mom. I need to talk about the person that, or grief goes beyond just the people that we've lost. It's the loss of jobs, the loss of lifestyle, all sorts of losses. I love that point of like the journey is lonely and so many times, like we have said before, we are not even comfortable to ask for help or to be taken care of because we think we can do it or we need to do it all by ourselves, right? This is just for example, but this weekend I was like sick. I had allergies. I don't know if you have struggled, Melanie, but <laughs> in Houston, the pollen is like definitely in abundance. <laughs> Spring in Texas. Yes. And honestly, I never struggled with allergies, but for some reason I was struggling and I was supposed to have coffee with a friend and I just couldn't go because I wasn't feeling well. And without me asking her, she insisted to bring coffee and a pastry. And even that act of her showing up, it made me feel so cared of. And I even told her, it feels so nice for someone to take care of you. And we don't ask for that because like sometimes being vulnerable requires us to be very uncomfortable or to recognize that we don't have necessarily our stuff together at that time, which by the way, we are coaches and it doesn't matter how much we are training personal development. We have our ups and lows like everyone else and we have the tools and we are still growing even in those tools. So I just want to also mention that because we are human beings, of course. (laughs) Absolutely. I'm always learning no matter what step I'm taking in my journey, for sure. So Melanie, we want to know more about you. Okay. What is your background? Where were you born? And I know you're very interesting and fascinating career journey. So if you can touch in that, because a lot of our listeners, they're also seeking that purpose in terms of career and everywhere else. And I love also bringing guests into the podcast that have had an unconventional path when it comes to their career. I grew up in a very small town in the Midwest, in Northeast Ohio, from a raised Roman Catholic, lots of brothers and sisters, or seven of us total. And my dad was the town physician. And through that, I think that was my first step into the wellness journey that I'm on. Not only was he town doctor and the OBGYN, he also took up the modalities of acupuncture and hypnosis back in the 70s. So he was really such a pioneer for such a small town to bring those modalities of health or healing into the community. So along with that, as you well know, there's a lot of talk of energy. So I grew up just second nature, knowing that there was something beyond just this physical self that we're walking around. It's just, we have this energy body. So I feel like that was really deeply rooted in me, even though I grew up very traditional, grew up as a woman seeking to make a stamp in the world career-wise, knowing that 
it's going to take a lot of masculine energy in order to do that. So immediately went into the big city of Dallas and found a career in business and then investments and got a my business degree and lived and breathed my career in this very male-dominated world, this capitalistic world. And it served me in many ways. It's obviously I was providing for my growing family at the time. And it was exciting because I didn't know what I didn't know. And all the things that I knew about wellness, it was on the backseat until I realized like as I started to go into my mid-30s and whatnot and realized that, oh, wait, I'm not feeling as well as I would like to be. Go to the doctors and you find these doctor's reports coming back and it really makes you stop and think or it made me stop and think because I knew how important it was for my own health and wellness to be here for my family, most importantly. And so as the years went on and I just was exploring just everything and anything that to do to get myself back to that state of energy, high energy, I really realized that my purpose, my passion in life was back into that wellness and to realize, wow, if I can feel this way, could I help others feel the same way? And so my passion for the financial world, the busyness of that kind of started to fade. And that's when I started seeking out my certifications of through health coaching and yoga and meditation, hypnosis, NLP, and all of it, where it's like, it was time for me to retire from corporate and trust that the universe was showing me another way to find the purposeful work that I think we are all here to really feel right? That, I don't know, it's that's where you feel fulfilled. It's not money. It's not that it's really what are we here to do? So that's what, where I sit now to where I am doing what I love. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of space holding, but I wouldn't want it any other way. I love it so much, right? Because our journey is similar in terms of we went through a corporate environment And it's not that we hated it, it's that we have bigger aspirations, such as you like the yoga, the mental, emotional, similar than me, right? In terms of the mindset coaching. And I love that you mentioned that you were experimenting because I think that's a theme that comes with most of the podcasts, right? Clarity is followed by experimenting. Like clarity is a byproduct of experimenting, of you trying what resonates with me, what feels right. So I love that you went through that journey, right? Before you made that transition. And like you said, we are still working on it. Like any business owner, (laughs) it's a day by day project in terms of like, we got to figure things out as we go because we are getting new information too, right? It's operating in this uncertainty zone and creating from there, which is actually a present moment. So I love that, Melanie. How did you decide to make that decision? Something that I'm super passionate about is decision making and those bold decisions are aligned and that are one of the hardest ones. So what were your decision drivers for you to go from corporate to full-time business owner? That's a really good question. Ooh, I would say that it, for me, it was about trust. To be honest, I knew that I had a partner that would support me in every way, right? Not only on the emotional side, but also think financial side, financial side. So I had that safety net, if you will, for that aspect. But along with that, it was really hard for me to make that decision 
because it was like transitioning from a lifestyle I knew into something that I did not know anything about. And it was scary. It was back and forth so many times, right? For, I would say, even a couple of years, two, three years after I retired from corporate, it was like, did I make that right decision? But the further steps I took away from it, then I really knew. But I don't know if you experienced that as you transitioned away as well. So it's really just, again, that word vulnerability comes up because it took me to say, it almost felt like I was giving away my independence as that strong woman. But it really was giving up a bit of the masculine energy to lean into the feminine energy, right? To where it's like, lean into that, create what you're here to do. We both obviously need both types of energy. I wanted to feel more balanced in that, where it's like, it's time for me to create and to introspect. And what is it that I really can help the world do? What is my place in the world? Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely resonate. And I think that's part of the grieving process, right? Even though we made that decision, it's still challenging, right? And I think sometimes it's even more challenging at times, the fact that you're making the decision to leave something amazing for something even bigger, more meaningful for you, even though the financial piece may not be there yet in terms of the project versus your corporate salary, etc. I do think when we make that big of a decision, it's totally normal to grieve the familiar, to miss what we know, like the people, because even entrepreneurship is such a At times, it can be a lonely journey if you haven't found your tribe Mm. yet or you don't have that community compared to the corporate umbrella many times where you are talking to the people that you need to talk to and you build relationships just by default, right? Because you're in that context of being part of a bigger organization. So I think it's very normal and I've definitely... I've felt it from the transition from corporate to entrepreneurship, but I also felt it when I left my first corporate job, like ExxonMobil, to go work for Accenture. Even though I knew that was the right aligned path, the first few months, because it's so different, (laughs) consulting is so different than what I was doing. First few months, I was like, did I make the right decision? Like, what is going on? Yeah, I totally identify with you, Melanie, because I think that's part of the process, even leaving a relationship and starting a new one. Not all the time you're going to feel like fully aligned. There is a grieving process. And that's what we are here to talk about, too. (laughs) Absolutely. I love it. What is grief for you? What would you define that like in in Melanie? I think that obviously the word that comes to mind is is any loss, any loss that we have that. I guess the name of the emotion that comes up very well might be sadness, but I think the grief is where it's, it names the process, Yeah, right? Sadness is part of the process of grief. Yeah, And with grief, it looks and feels so different for every single one of us. And the journey of grief can look and feel different for everybody. It's, it could be constant. It could be for the rest of our lives. And it's, I think that's where, when we think like when we have a loss and then life goes on, right? Yeah. It keeps going for people. And 
if we're still grieving, that gives us a sense of, I shouldn't be in this place of grief any longer. And that's just not true. Yeah. It really isn't true. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck with the guilt of it or the shame of like, oh my gosh, I shouldn't be feeling this way. And yes, you are supposed to feel this way. That's what I want to say to people. Yes, it's okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Definitely relate to many of the things you said. I think also grief in a way, it pushes you to start operating and to start letting go of that certainty that you were familiar with, because you're right. Now that you have lost something, you are a different person. Your identity is shifting. The way you knew the world is shifting. And it's also grieving that transition of yourself that happens when your reality starts looking differently. And it's interesting because it's a forced transition many ways if you are not mm-hmm. deciding right? When something happens in like you get laid off or you get fired or a family member pass away, which is something that you're never ready from my experience many times. It is like your reality has changed. The certainty that you knew now is not certain anymore. Now you're operating in full uncertainty. And I think naturally all of us at the deepest level, we are afraid of that uncertainty because We don't know what may happen next. If it's your first time, like I lost my uncle and grandmother for the first time. I had never lost anyone else in my family because my family is really small, to be honest. But even getting to know myself through the process, because I didn't know how I was going to respond. And I'm still going through it like a year and a half after. And I'm still getting to know myself, how I'm processing that grief. So it's just such an interesting process. Like you said, feeling aversion, feeling that we don't have to experience this or rejecting what is, because rejecting what is rejecting the present moment, it actually intensifies the emotion way instead of just sitting and accepting what we are experiencing. Yeah, I agree. But that's what you said, the denial of it. A lot of times it's like we just want to push it away and go back to that like normality but in itself, I know that the, one of the stages of grief is denial. Yeah. And David Kessler, who's just such a wonderful soul, he's made his life work all about grief. And he says it's denial. It's a graceful thing. It spreads that grief over time so that we have the ability to breathe. Right. We have it gives us a little bit of space. And for me, I experienced a big loss. My first husband passed away. And I literally denied it basically probably for 10 years. And you're like, why in the world? How in the world could you do that? Not that I explain it like I put on blinders, like you would a horse because it was like, oh my gosh, I've got three children to raise and for them not to have denied anything. And that was my purpose. Like, I don't want them to experience anything differently. And Quite honestly, I was just doing the best that I could. You're always going to look back and, or I'm going to always look back and say, I could have done that so much better. But that again, is that thing like what you were saying, like just stay in the present moment and knowing that you did the best you could. And so, and truly it was through those modalities, those other modalities that of yoga, primarily then that stepped into my life to say, Hey, let's start opening up this box. And through all of that, then 
the other parts of the stages of grief started to happen, which was very interesting. The more I've learned and studied and held space for other people that have been grieving, it really allows me to look at my journey through grief and the way that I've acted. And really, then in the end, it's all about forgiveness, right? Forgiving myself for, quote, not doing it right or could have been doing it differently. Yeah. I could no. have done it like, yes, exactly. That's such an important point that when you touch around spreading the grief, because like we know the unconscious mind is here to keep us safe. Yeah. And many times we are just not ready to deal with everything at the same yeah. time. So we are in this survival mode, which by the way, if you're experiencing grief or not, many times we're in survival mode, right? So experiencing grief, what I've been realizing lately it's a reason to celebrate because it means also in a way that you're ready to heal from it. If not, you would be still in the denial phase, right? So I think being in that survival stage, like you mentioned, that's what leads us being in the denial stage. And it's so interesting how even one person experiences grief differently from different situations. Like, I remember in high school, and this was high school, okay? But I remember in high school, I had a couple of boyfriends, like serious relationships because I always have serious relationships. But I've had a couple, to be honest with you. I remember just having, like breaking up or them breaking up with me. I don't even remember. And the next day, I was just like, like nothing happened. But then like a few days after, it would hit me. And it was that denial of, you're still in shock in many ways. But then when my uncle passed away, I guess it was different because he was suffering from cancer. And as you may know, like mm -hmm. cancer, you see that slow decline. So I think I was even grieving as he was just literally disappearing in many ways. And I remember one time we were talking on the phone. He was in Cuba, of course, and I was here. And I was just talking and I'm like, hello. Like he literally, he was so weak. He literally mm. just, I know, like just fell asleep or something. So I think I grieved during the process and I'm still grieving. And I love that you mentioned that it took you 10 years. What I discovered in Vipassana, I think Vipassana opened up so many of those channels of <laughs> vulnerability for me to experience more of that grief. And of course, I'm working through it. I'm healing from it. I have never the opportunity to look back at my childhood and realize how many times I lost people because we were in survival mode. Like we went from Cuba, there were 12 years where I didn't see my family, stayed in Mexico three years, then moved away from Mexico, left all the friendships, left my stepfather for many reasons. So there were so many leaving people behind that I never, because I was in survival mode, honestly, Melanie, I would say until now that I'm realizing this at a deeper level, I've been in survival mode of like, like achieving or doing more. And now for the first time, I feel more of my feminine energy balancing up with the masculine and it still feels uncomfortable. That happened like when I was 12 years old <laughs> and before and after. So it's just so interesting when sometimes you're just not ready to process things until one day you are. When you are, I think it's a positive sign that you're allowing more space for everything yeah. that's coming up. Yeah, because even, even though you were, I think grief is associated with the loss of a loved one. Yes. Because they've transitioned. 
in your case, what I'm hearing is that you experienced grief over and over again because you kept people leaving or you having to leave situations. So each time it was like this, that the process of grief had to start over or another layer of grief on top of the grief that you just experienced. So yeah, yeah, it, that's a lot. That's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I know my friend. And so I just want to just truly stop and commend you for (laughs) what you've been through and how you really have allowed all these experiences to make who you are and to accept that in a way that you can now stand in a place that to help guide and help others. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, you. (laughs) Melanie, and you too, I think it is not easy, right, to stand in a podcast where everyone will listen at it and we are talking about the most vulnerable parts of our lives. And I think that as we continue growing, you start feeling this deep acceptance of what is of like, hey, this is just another tool, another situation to help others and to guide Mm -hmm. others and to continue guiding myself because I think we are still in the healing process of the situations that happened in the past. So I appreciate you mentioning that. That was really sweet of you. Yeah. And again, that word acceptance, that is part of process. Yeah. But when we hear the word acceptance, what pops up, it's like, oh yeah, I'm quote over it. And I think when we lose when it is we're talking about grief in the most profound way, it's okay not to accept, like yeah, totally. accept a loss, right? It means acceptance really means that I'm finally acknowledging a reality, a new reality. And that doesn't mean the new reality is okay, but just the acceptance of like, this is what is now. Yeah. I think it then allows an individual to then take another step to listen to their own needs, to be more open. And it provides us to be a little more vulnerable to hopefully like make new connections and new experiences and to find a bit of joy in those new connections and experiences. I think that was really important what you said around differentiating acceptance of like I'm over it versus acceptance of it doesn't matter feeling sad anger just accepting what is because that helps us process it instead of running away from the anger which is not disappearing we are continue to suppressing those uh, to suppress emotions which at the end it elongates some of these phases because we were not ready to deal with it at that time. And as we know, through our learnings through NLP and the subconscious mind, you know, what we avoid will eventually come up right to the surface and it pursues us. But with that pursuing of like, you've got to take care of these things that are bubbling up in, we can look at that in a way that says, hey, this is a time I then truly can transform me, right? To take those steps. And we always come back to that word we started with vulnerability. It takes us to be scared. It's scary. It really is. It is scary because like we said, it's operating out of the uncertainty zone and going through things for the first time. I think there is something scarier than that. It's like, where am I? Like, what's going on? Because sometimes or often we think there is a right or wrong. And I think that's so damaging to have also that belief that the right choice or the wrong emotion, the right emotion. I think this dualistic black and white view of right and wrong is damaging in the way that we are trying to fix into boxes 
what is <laughs> because what is what is it doesn't matter what label we are putting it around so i think part of having more wisdom and really healing through the process again is going back to the present moment and getting to know yourself because even experiencing that sadness and that anger you tuning into it i think it's getting to know yourself because the more we try to fit into another box or walk away from what we are feeling that is actually us walking away from getting to know ourselves, how we are showing up and having full acceptance of what that is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We cannot change things that have happened. Yeah, exactly. Fortunately. Yeah. So shock and denial, I think we covered that really well. Honestly, there are different frameworks for the stages of grief. Mm -hmm. We were reading and there is one with five stages, another one with seven stages. But in the process, and I'm looking at the seven stages of grief, which I think is more granular in a way, mm -hmm. they have pain and guilt, like the anger, like those emotions that you were feeling that sometimes the loss is so unbearable that we show up in ways that we may also hurt the people around us. Like they're feeling the, their needs because we are in so much pain that we don't know how to manage pain and the guilt also. Like Yes, I yeah. think that it's that's a cycle that it's unfortunately we might find ourselves really angry and yeah. then we feel guilty because we were angry. Oh my God, totally. Right, so... <laughs> As we know, that's, we have to get, we have to work with the anger and then underneath the anger is that sadness. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. And I think this is another thing that David Kessler had said that if we think of anger is the bodyguard to pain. Yeah, it is true. Right. We'd rather be angry so that maybe we don't feel the pain or show the pain to others because again, how we were brought up, it might be like, stop crying. We don't shed tears or grow up. Crying is for babies. So subconsciously we're thinking, I guess it's better to be angry than sad. Yeah. Someone angry is stronger than someone sad who is weak and vulnerable, right? right. Sometimes we feel those things. And it is true. Anger is also more of that masculine energy of like, yeah, like there is a lot of rigidity in anger versus pain is a lot more vulnerable in many ways. Yeah, so that's such a great reference there. Yeah. So pain, guilt, anger. And of course, you and I have learned, and we use this with our clients all the time, but you and I have learned like timeline therapy, which is a technique that we call mental and emotional release. And I've found, which is highly effective, and you still need to heal in the way you show up. Like even if the baggage is disappeared, the present, it's still the present and you're still going through a grief and healing and forgiving. And I think it's a process that continues. That's what I found in this process. I'm with my clients. So yes, absolutely. I love it. I love it. So we have pain, guilt, anger, bargaining. Bargaining is one that when I read it, I was like, I don't know if I'm super familiar in my experience with this one. And bargaining is basically like asking a higher power that you'll do anything if they grant you the relief of those emotions, which in a way is trying to walk away from those emotions just to feel happy, but just bargaining with something else. Like, have you ever experienced that? I think for me, bargaining is the thought process of, I wish I would have done things differently. I wish I would have said 
this yeah. before they passed. I wish if, or maybe if it's like, if only I would have oh. done this, then this wouldn't happen. Uh-huh. A fa- failed marriage or even somebody that has passed. And there's all sorts of losses that you could say, oh gosh, what if I would have done that differently? What if I would have done that? And all of that is just the underlying feeling of that, again, that guilt. So guilt is deeply embedded in that part of bargaining to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, like what you said, like, oh, just it's still part of like, I wish I would have. Yeah, I wish it would have been different. And yeah. it doesn't matter where you go, that's not going to happen. So it creates more, more suffering, right? Exactly. But that's another stage. And again, these stages, we all go through these stages differently, different orders. Sometimes we don't go through one of them. So this is not an exact roadmap. The only thing we want you to trust is your experience. We are here to provide the context, the content, our own experience. And at the end of the day, whatever your experience is, be compassionate towards yourself, be kind, and more than anything, just be in those moments your best friend. However you would treat your another best friend other than you, how would you treat that person? You wouldn't be like, oh my God, stop being angry. Like what the heck is going on with you? You would have compassion and kindness towards that yes. person. Absolutely. Yeah. And open space. Open space. Right. Where it's, I think that I would encourage people, whether you're a friend of somebody that that is experiencing great loss or you are that person, it's that opening up to where it's okay to have a conversation around the loss. Yeah. And of course, that takes us to understand who might that person be that will just listen, but just to talk about it. I think that's where coaches come in, really. We're there to always hold that space. Yeah. And just that, again, that feeling in our society, like, oh no, don't bring up anything that might make somebody cry. <laughs> Why not? I know. Like, it's okay. And if they cry, that's just a natural response. Yeah. I love it. It would be okay. Like it might be a cry of joy. Like, oh my gosh, you're asking about my mother that just passed. I'd love to tell you a story, but yeah. they have no one to talk to, to tell that story to. I think that's powerful. I'm talking about crying. <laughs> I remember when I went through the loss of my uncle, of course, I was still working in my corporate job. And I would, the thing with the sadness or the cry or even like all of these, you cannot plan when it's going to show up, okay, basically. So you may be like normal doing your day-to-day stuff and suddenly like it bubbles up. And I remember being in a meeting with my team the meeting was going normal. Of course, I was sad, et cetera. Out of nowhere, I turned off the camera because I knew what's coming. I turned off the camera and I just started like crying like nonstop. I put myself on mute too. I just started crying nonstop. And then after that meeting, like someone reached out to me and she was like, my manager at the moment, she was like, hey, are you okay? I noticed you have been showing up differently. And that was so meaningful because sometimes like, Sometimes we need to process what's going on even before talking to someone. So her reaching out, it entered my space in a very special and safe way. Yeah. It made me feel better that I wasn't the only one. She gave me the example of her dad and how she's still grieving him. And I was like, oh, I'm not the only one. That's good to know. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I think it, it leads back to that first thing I'd said about loneliness, where it's like, oh, wow, I can appreciate 
your story of loss. Me too. And yeah, that's that is so important to oh. realize we need to talk about it. Yeah, and that's how we connect. You connect more with someone that shares a challenge or a struggle with you than someone surface level, right? Yeah. That's what connection is about. Now, Melanie, let's talk about, for example, you're grieving, right? And someone asks you, hey, Melanie, how are you doing? Like, they don't know what's going on. Like, what would you say? Would you say like, oh, yeah, I'm great. Or would you just say, how would you handle that? Because so many times we feel that we have to show up all positive and all like, oh, my God, I'm doing amazing. And then inside, you're like, no, I'm not. So what have you learned about that in your journey? Certainly, it's it would depend on who is asking me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But if it was somebody that I really, truly trusted, if it was a friend just checking in on me, and this is where my journey was, because it, my answer to everybody throughout the years was, I'm fine. I've got it. Like, all things are good. Period. End of story. That's it. And so now I still think that is a part of me because it was so, so much a part of me in years past that I really have to work on it to where it's like, hey, this person who really cares about me, this is a chance for me to say, hey, I've had some really challenging days lately. This is what's been going on. I love that. That truly is a lesson that I'm still learning for sure. I ask you because I'm working on it. (laughs) Not because (laughs) I have figured out for sure. I think I may have mentioned this. I'm actually finishing a book. It's called The Way of Integrity. And Mm. it's all about showing up, making decisions and just living your life in integrity with yourself. She mentioned that in a span of like five to 10 minutes conversation, we lie several times, like just to be nice or to please other. How are you? Oh my God, I'm doing great. I love your shoes. Those are examples. Like we are used to those white lies. And her point is like, it doesn't matter how white the lie is, it's still a lie. And it drives us away from that integrity. So that's something that I'm working on and I'm figuring out as I go, how it feels in alignment with me to actually show up with more integrity. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Isn't that powerful? Wow. How powerful is that? Right? Wow. That's, I will definitely need to get that book name again from you because it's, I think that's so true. And it's just the steps that, and to realize what we do. Right? autopilot that we're just always like yeah hi i'm fine versus yeah this is this day has really not been well (laughs) yeah like or i'm still integrating from this situation (laughs) it is like every time i mention that the person that i'm talking to they laugh because of course they know they have been there i'm raising my hand I'm raising my hand really it's high. It's so true though. Yeah. But yeah, of course, like I truly recommend this book. I may have mentioned it already like several times. I don't remember in the different podcast episodes. But it's so good because out of every goal, out of every accomplishment, I think the maximum expression of happiness is to, Lord, show up <laughs> as we are, like in the most authentic and with a lot of integrity to honor ourselves. Yeah, so... I truly recommend that it's really powerful. Yeah, I love that. Honor yourself. Honor Honor. yourself. If that means that we're in such deep grief that it means that we pull back and not show up as society thinks we should be, that's okay too. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's beautiful. So we have talked about grief. We have given a lot of meaningful examples. Thank you so much, Melanie, for your vulnerability because 
This is a deep topic. This is not a surface level topic. This is a very deep, vulnerable topic. So I appreciate you and how you have showed up today for the audience. I want to ask you, what have you done to continue healing that grief? Or what would you recommend your clients as they are going through the grieving process? There's all sorts of actual techniques. And that's, I'm a psychotherapeutic yoga teacher to understand to which has allowed me to truly understand how movement of the body truly can help us process emotions the gamut of emotions from anger to sadness so i would encourage whether it doesn't have to be yoga although that's near and dear to my heart just walking getting out in nature grounding really coming into that present moment what is it that brings you into the present moment is it a warm bath is it just a soothing cup of warm tea is it that just to be with a dear friend to hold space with it can look different for everybody where that the modes of healing comes in yeah so i think that's where i've spoken to you about offering yoga series as far as like people coming together and to understand how the movement and how that feels as well as a space for them to be open to say, oh yeah, that's me too. I'm right there. I feel the same exact way. And Why do those words feel so good to us when somebody can really say, I totally understand you. And I thought I was the only one. Yeah. I love that you said that you brought up the community aspect. At the end of the day, we are social beings. We strive. So it's so important. And it also helps with that vulnerability and with acceptance of like, when you just say that to someone else, like, I feel that's another level of acceptance of, hey, yes, this is happening because we are denying things. We don't talk about them. <laughs> Let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. And I love the body movement too. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. For me, I think meditation has helped a lot. Even this last experience of the 10 days of Vipassana, I didn't go to that experience thinking that I was going to realize that I'm still processing grief, okay? Like, I thought I was going to become enlightened by the end. (laughs) And then I'm like, open up those channels of like, this is a blind spot and I'm happy now I have the awareness so I can continue healing and working through it. Meditation has been a big one. And we mentioned this in the, because meditation also allows you to be in the present moment, to practice presence, to practice mm-hmm. acceptance, and also being in the uncertainty zone, which is the present moment. That's the only moment that is uncertain, right? Right. Um, the other one is forgiveness. We mentioned that oh, one too. Huge. Yes, that is number one for me. Number to, one. To, to, to forgive. And also okay. that said, like to have the ability to forgive as in this process, to forgive those that we think they should be our person or they should be calling more or they, because we all process things differently. And to, again, that the whole, the saying, we're doing the best that we can. That is so hard to think that because we have that, we look at ourselves thinking that we should be doing it differently. And in the moment, we are doing the best that we can. I love it. I love that you mentioned forgiving the people around you because they're not calling you enough. You don't have idea how many conversations I've had, <laughs> including myself, of saying, oh my God, this person doesn't call me enough. Oh my God. So I think there is a lot of forgiveness more if you're going through a challenging situation, knowing that also the people around you are doing the best they can, like Melanie mentioned. 
And I'm going to link to the show notes our go-to forgiveness meditation, which is a sense one. And funny enough, I actually shared this meditation today because in my Instagram, I asked if the people from the audience had any questions around grief. And then I wanted to share a situation that someone shared with the hope that we would answer her question during this podcast episode. And I shared with her the forgiveness meditation already because I thought it would help her. But I just want to share that and get your thoughts too, Melanie. Would that be okay? Yes. Okay, cool. So she says, how to come to terms uh, with the grief? Her mother passed away and she hasn't cried for her mother Every time she feels it's coming, she gets sick instead and her head starts hurting so badly and she thinks that it's because unconsciously she hasn't come to terms with her being gone. So there is a lot of the physical aspect here, which I know you specialize in. What are your first thoughts as you hear this story? Oh gosh, I would say to her, it's okay. Yeah, I love that. You're okay. Right where you're at. Tears or no tears. Like the non-judgment is another big one, right? Non-judgment, forgiving ourselves, thinking that we, quote, should be crying, Mm -hmm. right? And giving you just hopefully that gives her a little more space to feel, okay, just to let go. I think that, again, it's like, oh, I should be crying over my mother. Why haven't I shed my tears? And so immediately we're judging ourselves. And so what happens? Then the guilt comes in and the shame comes in. And hopefully just by her acknowledging it and sharing that may loosen up the binds that she's in to, in order for her to maybe seek out other modes of healing or obviously therapy is. Yeah. It's always be. Yeah. That's beautiful. I think acceptance of honoring how you're showing up, it doesn't matter how that is. It's a powerful mm-hmm. one. Therapy too. We all have been through therapy and some of us are still going through therapy or are starting <laughs> therapy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a big one. And also a forgiveness because sometimes people may think, but she didn't do anything wrong to me or I didn't do anything wrong to her, etc. But forgiveness is also about coming into terms with this acceptance, with what is, and allowing yourself to cleanse energetically from that tension that you feel because you are not acting like you're supposed to, right? It's like letting go of that tension in your body and just allowing yourself to heal and process. So I think- Absolutely. Yeah. That forgiveness does not mean that we condone the action. Yes, Exactly. And I wanted to also thank this person for her vulnerability. And of course, our heart goes to you. Thank you so much for sharing because you sharing your story allows other listeners to also identify with the journey and know that, again, we are not alone in this journey. We are in this together, no matter what. Absolutely. (laughs) Amazing, Melanie. Oh, my God. It's that time to end the episode. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so happy. I think this was just a perfect combination for this topic. Love your recommendations, your wisdom, your heart, most of all. So, and of course, all your technical knowledge, okay? <laughs> but mainly your heart, your 
kindness. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's been my pleasure. And such a, it's always a joy. It's always a joy to spend time with you. I love it, my friend. As we conclude, anything else that comes to mind? I know we have discussed comprehensively everything, but anything else that comes to mind as we conclude? Again, I just encourage people to feel whatever is there in the moment and to accept that. So acceptance is also a little, all sorts of million pieces of acceptance. Yeah. And it might be just, I'm accepting that I'm sad right now. I love it. And that is okay. Yes. And that is okay. That is okay. Thank you so much, Melanie. I hope Thank our listeners enjoy this conversation. And if this was helpful for you, please share with your friends, your family, maybe someone that is still grieving or is not understanding what is going on with her or his emotions. Let's share the light. Let's share the healing Thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening at With Clarity and Purpose. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Sharing is caring. Please share with your friends and family so we can continue building an empowered community together. I'll see you next week.